Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. This weekend we're covering the greatest showman. We are using it as an illustration. I want you to understand that. It's not necessarily here. We're not necessarily endorsing this movie, but we are using it as an illustration. If you remember in the Gospels, Jesus used various illustrations to make his point, okay? So The Greatest Showman, for those of you that maybe are not familiar with it, um, is a a movie about a man, P.T. Barnum, who single-handedly transformed 19th century American society. Here's a man who was penniless, but very ambitious and had lots of creativity and imagination and fresh ideas. And this man will always be remembered as a man who had the gift of exaggeration, if we could put it that way. Thirsty for innovation and hungry for success, this son of a tailor uh, managed to open up a wax museum, but then soon shifted focus to more of a unique and peculiar, introducing extraordinary, never seen before live acts on the circus stage. all of us, we've grown up for generations now, even generations before us, knowing what a circus is like. That was a completely novel idea uh, in P.T. Barnum's time. Um, some, some called Barnum's collection of oddities, as he referred to them, uh, a freak show. However, the public became intrigued in this cast of character, characters that P.T. assembled in his museum of oddities and became an overnight success. Uh, some might classify him, <coughs> excuse me, as the ultimate exploiter, taking advantage of the misfortunes of others. But as he said, as he put it to one of the cast members who was resisting being recruited, one of the individuals said, but they're gonna laugh at us. And P.T. Barnum replied, they're laughing at you already. You might as well get paid for it. (laughs) So as, as Barnum begins to attract more and more individuals, his team begins to build, and begins to assemble this cast of characters never, never seen before on stage um, up until this point in American history. So these are the individuals, this ragtag group of misfits, rejects, who eventually end up turning the art of entertainment upside down. Could you please draw your attention to the screens for this next video clip? So here, here we have it. Barnum assembles this group of individuals that for most of their lives have been hidden away. People that didn't want to, families that didn't want to be seen on the streets with these individuals most of their lives. And as I watch these clips, I watch the whole movie and deciding, okay, where am I going with this? What am I going to pull out of this? I started thinking about, wow, this is just like David in the Old Testament. David was rejected by King Saul. He goes into hiding. And so he spends over a decade running for his life, from from desert to forest, from forest to mountains, constantly running, constantly being rejected. And in 1 Samuel tells us that at one point, David escapes to a place called the Cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and the rest of them were associated with his family heard where he was, they came down and joined him because they became rejects also. Not only that, but all those who were down on their luck came around. I'm reading to you from the message translation. Losers, vagrants, misfits of all sorts, and David became their leader, and there were about 400 of them. P. 
He debarred him. He may have also called these same men that followed David oddities, is what he, he referred to his cast members. But later on, Scripture tells us that 37 of these same losers, vagrants and misfits, became known as David's mighty men. You can go study their lives. One of them killed 300 enemies single-handedly. All through Scripture, we see that God has a way of using the most unlikely characters. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27, Paul writes this. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. The message translation puts it this way. Take a good look, friends, at who you were when you got called into this life. I don't see many of you the brightest and the best among you. Not many influential. Not many from high society families. Isn't it obvious that God deliberately chose men and women that the culture overlooks and exploits and abuses? Choose, chose these nobodies to expose the hollow pretensions of the somebodies. Wow is right. That is an amazing description. Look around. We, many times, are labeled by the world as the losers. The ones who needed a crutch. So you ran to Jesus because you needed a crutch. Well, at least we knew we were crippled. We're called those born-agains. And once you come into this life, the invitations stop. The sarcastic remarks, the rude comments. But isn't it funny? Who's the first people they call when they need prayer? The misfits, the rejects, the losers. Now think about Moses. Moses lived to be 120 years old. And it is said that he spent the first 40 years of his life thinking he was somebody in Pharaoh's palace. Spent the second 40 years of his life being a nobody out in the desert someplace. And then spent the last 40 years of his life finding out what God could do with a nobody. Here's a man who was a murderer. He stuttered. A man who spent 40 years in the desert as far from Egypt as he could possibly get. Yet God took this old man who smelled like sheep and made him an instrument of his mercy to the children of Abraham. God uses very unlikely characters. Think about Zacchaeus. Some of us probably are not that familiar with his story unless you grew up in the church and you probably heard about him in Sunday school and you maybe you sang the little song about Zacchaeus. But Luke chapter 19 gives us his, his backstory, gives us the whole, all we need to know about Zacchaeus. Jesus entered Jericho, was passing through. And a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector. So already there, he's not liked. And he was very wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot where he was, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be a guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus had a life-changing experience that day. Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. 
And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And based on that experience that Jesus observed in Zacchaeus, Jesus makes this statement as recorded for us in verse 9. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Amen? Amen. Now think about this. Zacchaeus is a tax collector. He's hated to begin with. But he's probably been the brunt of many people's jokes all throughout that city. He would have had to endure their rude comments, their sarcastic remarks. As a town collector, I can imagine people coming to his little booth set up there in the town square and saying something like, you know, Zacchaeus, I'd love to pay my taxes today, but I'm a little short. (laughs) You'll get it in about an hour from now. That day, Jesus made that man, who was known all throughout their city as the little guy, Jesus made him feel like the tallest man in that city. In front of those crowds that were used to making fun of Zacchaeus, in front of those crowds that were used to cursing Zacchaeus, Jesus makes the announcement, I'm coming to your house today for lunch. Jesus knows how to raise up those who've been beat down, who've been bruised by life, and Zacchaeus little Zacchaeus becomes an instrument of blessing to the people that he once robbed. When I saw this movie, look, the focus of the movie are all these characters with their deformities and their abnormalities. And I thought to myself, man, if John the Baptist was alive during that time, He'd be right there with them. Because if you can use one word to describe John the Baptist, it's weirdo. He was probably left to to care for himself at a young age since his parents were already old when he was born. The Bible tells us a little bit about his life. It's recorded for us in Matthew chapter 3. It tells us, starting in verse 1, in those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching his message. The message was, repent of your sins Turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. The prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said, when he wrote, he is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. Verse four says, John's clothes, I guess Matthew could not help. He couldn't resist the temptation to throw this in. John's clothes were woven from coarse camel hair. That is the most, that is one of the most itchy materials that you could possibly make clothing from. And he wore a big leather belt. He wore a leather belt around his waist. And for food, he ate locusts and wild honey. So you know, people must have been talking about this because Matthew thinks it's worthy to put in his story. People from Jerusalem, from all over Judea, all over the Jordan Valley, went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River, which tells us this. God uses unusual individuals, unique, maybe even weirdos. But when a weirdo has a message from God in his mouth, it affects people. Think about this. He ate bugs. Wore itchy clothes. 
lived in the desert where there's no water. That means there's no showers, there's no baths. Whoa. I think it, he probably had a lot of input on how baptism was gonna take place. Having no water, no baths, no shower. I think we should go down to the Jordan and do this. You just see John the Baptist preaching his message. <laughs> Repent. Because the, the kingdom of heaven is coming. So you cannot escape the truth if you read the scriptures that God uses the most unusual individuals to do his most important work. The message got across. P.T. Barnum said, and we saw it in that first trailer there, no one ever made a difference by being like everybody else. Why we as Christians sometimes try to blend in with the rest of this world is beyond me. We have a message that needs to come across. God uses unique individuals. God purposely sets us up sometimes. Sets us in families. Puts you in a job. Moves you to a geographic area because he's got a message that needs to come forth. And so why would we want to blend in and sound like, look like, be like everybody else? Then there's nothing unique about our message. Stop trying to hide who you are. Stop trying to have a, a one image when you come to church and another image when you're out in the world, on your jobs, with your families. If you love them, you'll let them see that there's something different so that they'll listen to your message. Are you hearing me today, church? Yes. By choosing to take those the world declared to be outcasts and giving us a new identity, Jesus elevated us out of our brokenness, out of our rejection, out of our deficiencies, that fear of abandonment that so many suffer from. He lifts us out, gives us a new identity. But listen, but in order to be free, we have to come to the place that we're willing to turn our defects into strengths. Our scars must become our memorials. And our brokenness has got to serve as an inspiration to others. There's part of my message here that I listed as optional. I thought to myself, well, if I have the time, I'll, I'll talk about this. If I don't, I'll skip over it. And I realized last night when I presented this the first time that I was trying to conveniently give myself a way of not addressing this next part. I could not help but feel drawn. As I was putting my notes together, I was watching this movie to think back to my childhood, my adolescent years. And I, what I'm about to say to you, I'm not saying because I want everybody to go, oh, poor pastor. I'm not, looking for, I'm not looking for shoulder to cry on. I just feel like I need to share this. I have never been, from the time I was young, the athletic type. I don't know. I don't really, I'm not attracted to sports. When you guys come up to me and talk about the game that you watch, I'm like, 
wow, that's really cool. I don't have a clue of what you're talking about. I'm sorry, I, I'm, I smile, I go, well, I'm really glad you enjoyed that. What was that again? Uh, I mean, you know, it, it, I, there was a long time I didn't know the difference between a touchdown and a home run. I, I don't now, A little bit better now because my wife's a Yankees fan, so I have to watch that. It's so bad, I almost look forward to the Hallmark movies. I was the one that nobody picked for their team. I was the one that would stand on the sidelines. And to be honest with you, it looked pathetic, but on the inside it was like, I don't want to play anyway. I'm glad I didn't get there. <laughs> I hardly had any friends. <laughs> I was much more comfortable sitting home reading a book, which makes it easy for me to watch Jeopardy now. I never fit in with any of the groups in high school. And some of those terms, if you're not from my generation, you may not understand. The jocks, the hoods, the hippies were coming on the scene, and none of that attracted me. Very much a loner. At 13 years old, we moved from this very, a city atmosphere to the suburbs, which I don't know if I've ever forgiven my parents for. Um, so. Uh, and what I'm about to say to you, I'm not exaggerating, I'm not lying, this is literally the truth. That first summer that we moved in, I know we moved in right after school ended, for that summer until I walked into junior high school, I did not go out of the house one day. My first year in, high, in junior high school, having gone from parochial school to now public school, having gone to maybe about 50 kids in a class to hundreds, I literally spent the first few months every day vomiting before I had to go to school. Classic weirdo. In my yearbook that year, they should have went and wrote, potential axe murderer. <laughs> no kidding. Constantly feeling rejected, constantly feeling lonely. And that then led to me, in my adolescent years, suffering panic attacks, anxiety attacks, even after I got married, up until 1984. In 1984, Jesus found this freak, washed him, cleansed him, and began to fill me up with his work. Amen. And began to fill me with the knowledge of his will for my life. And then he called me to step into the purpose of this life. When I say to you, God uses weirdos and God uses the most unusual characters, I'm speaking to you from personal experience. First Peter chapter two. I, I don't know, I, I don't know, I, I, I think Peter was qualified to write this scripture because Peter, I don't know how many friends he would have had, when you smell like fish all the time, you're not the most popular guy in the neighborhood. But Peter writes this, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, talking to the church. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Would you say that word with me? Peculiar. Which is Peter's nice way of saying, you're a bunch of weirdos. And here's the purpose. 
that we would show forth the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. I don't know if you grasp that. I don't know if you're getting that. Peculiar, different, unusual, weird, not of this world, freaks. Listen to the Passion Translation of the scripture. But you are God's chosen, tro chosen treasure, priests who are kings, a spiritual nation set apart as God's devoted ones. He called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light. Now he claims you as his very own. He did this so that you would broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. But listen to me. Until you experience his marvelous light, you can't declare his marvelous light. Now, Mrs. Barnum, at one point in the movie, makes this statement to her husband. You don't need the whole world to love you, just a few good people. In our case, we don't need the world to love us. We need to be totally saturated with this one fact. And hear me, hear me very clearly this morning. No matter how many scars I have, no matter how many battles I still may be fighting, I have a Savior who thought I was worth dying for. You listening? So, we've got to come to this place where our uniqueness, even our defects, our character flaws, the things that we're still working on, that we can put them in God's hands so that he can attach a, a message to us. Yeah, there's many people who think we're freaks. There's family members who think we're freaks. I'll never forget a conversation I had with a very close family member, very, very close, I don't wanna say who it is. No, not her. And said to me, the first year I was a Christian, I think you've totally lost your mind. Really, I said really. So when I lived home, and I was upstairs smoking joints, throwing the roaches out the window, not coming out of the room for three days at a time, suffering from depression. If I did walk out of the room, I had black underneath my eyes on both. I wasn't crazy then. I'm crazy now. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Then fine, call me crazy. But I'm a crazy man with a message. We gotta come to that place where we don't need to be accepted by everybody. We've got to come to a place that we can boldly proclaim our uniqueness in Christ. You, listen, church, you are who he says you are, and you can be who he says you can be. Amen. Finally, i got a question to ask you. You see, in that last clip we, we, we saw, I'm sorry, no, not yet. The next clip. <laughs> There's a statement that's made by one of the cast members. I want you, I'm, I'll tell you ahead of time so you make sure you catch it. She says to Barnum, our own mothers rejected us and hit us. You drew us out. You gave us a family. I'm paraphrasing it. You'll catch it in the clip. Is that not what Jesus did for us? He took us out of darkness. Took us out of our crazy lives. Took us out of the depression and the oppression. Took us out of crazy family dysfunction. 
And honestly, today we use that term, it's not even usable anymore because there are no more non-dysfunctional families. <laughs> it's just family. <laughs> and he set us on a rock, a solid, stable place where we can take a stance and stay there and declare a message. But let me ask you this question. Are you walking in your God-given purpose? This is sad. This is sad. Have you spent your life watching movies, reading books about other people's adventures, rather than living out the adventures that God has set before you? Are you always trying to play it safe? Have you been watching other people face their fears? Have you been watching other people press through their obstacles? Have you watched them? Have you, have you, have you noticed and have you observed how their lives have changed? but yet you're still in your little comfort zone. Suffering, feeling like no purpose, feeling like life is meaningless, but right in front of you is a path and the footsteps that if you'll follow God, he will lead you on some of the greatest adventures you have ever had in your life. I would not trade my life for anything. It is full of of adventure. You guys make sure of that. I was waiting for somebody to get that one. Comfort zone is the most dangerous place that a Christian can live. When a Christian is content to just be comfortable, never be challenged, never step out in faith, never try to accomplish anything, your tombstone's gonna have two sets of dates on it but there's gonna be nothing in between. Ephesians says it this way, long before he laid down the earth's foundations, he had us in mind. He has a dream he designed for you. Pursue it, seek after it with all you are, why? Because when you step into purpose, it gives you all the strength you need to battle your obstacles. Listen to me, if I had not, if God did not send somebody into my life to tell me about Jesus, to tell me the true gospel, not the gospel of religion, not the gospel of stained glass windows and beads and candles and stuff like that. No, that, that's religion. But if someone had not come into my life and told me the true gospel, I would have, I would have lived such an uneventful, boring, just barely surviving emotionally, Life, it would have been a complete waste. But when I started to step into that purpose, when I started to, to realize, this Bible's true. This word is powerful. When I would start to apply those things, when I'd start to, when I would force myself to step out in faith, even though I, 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 I don't know if I'm not gonna, I don't know if I'm gonna make it, I don't know if, if I can get out of the car and walk into this church without vomiting, I don't know if I'm gonna do that, but when I started to press, when I started to, when I started to say what God says, when I started to step into purpose, I gained the strength to face the obstacles. 
when you don't step into your purpose or you purposely delay stepping into purpose or you want to ignore your purpose and you want to resist your purpose, you never pick up the strength that you need to fight the obstacles. Why? There's no motivation. There's no incentive. And so you're going to keep on suffering. You're going to keep on having the nightmares. You're going to keep on having the anxiety. You're going to keep on feeling intimidated. You're going to keep on being timid. You're going to stay in your little comfort zone. And eventually, your soul suffers from atrophy. And you freeze up. And you become bitter. And nobody wants to be around you. That is not abundant life. You've got to learn how to step out. Remember that. You don't understand. You don't understand the limitations of my life. You don't understand what I've been through. You don't understand what I was exposed to. You don't understand what was done to me. Yeah, I don't. But you know what? He does. He does. And how are you going to heal from that? How are you going to recover? God loves to use weirdos. Wednesday night, I made reference to this. My daughter, Latrina, is here. She had a, my grandson, her son, Luca, on her, on her lap. He stayed in the service Wednesday night. I made reference to God using weirdos. And Luca turns to his mom and goes, Mommy, did God forget all our names and now he calls us weirdos? <laughs> Classic. Classic. We got to write that one down. But the fact is, you and I have got to step into our purpose. I'm asking you that question to consider. Are you walking? Are you living out the purpose that God had for you? Or, or, or are you? Well, you know, Pastor, I, I've done pretty good for my life. Really? Okay, good. So did P.T. Barnum. And he came to a place where it all crashed down on him because his dream only focused on him. Is the purpose that you've created for yourself to keep yourself busy between the time that you get out of the cradle and the time that you go in the coffin, have you designed a life that is so busy but it only involves you. It only satisfies you. It only supplies you. It only fulfills you. P.T. Barnum had a dream of wealth, of power, of prestige, and it blew up in his face because it only served the purpose of affecting his life. Finally, after losing so much, he realizes that people are the greatest treasure and people are the only ones worth investing in. Draw your attention to this final clip, please. From now on, my eyes will not be blinded by the light. He's talking about the light of greed. He's talking about the light of power. He's talking about the light of fame. What have your eyes been blinded by? Jesus said, what good is it if you gain the whole world, but you lose your soul? And the real dream of greatness that he has for us is this. <laughs> that once we receive him as our Lord and Savior, and we take that position that he died to give us, that position of righteousness, the position of right standing, that we in turn spend the rest of our lives not fulfilling our dream, fulfilling his. 
and spending the rest of our life drawing out the greatness in others rather than being concerned for our own. Church, the greatest times of fulfillment you're going to experience is when God positions you in such a way that you draw greatness out of the people that God put in your path, taking them out of the shadows, out of the darkness, believing in them, investing in them, blessing them, trusting them, so that you see greatness come out of them like never before. There's so many of us that have untapped potential, untapped creativity, untapped talents, and they're buried by failures of the past. Some are buried by neglect and rejection. Have you stepped into your purpose? Listen, I don't know about you, I know about me, and I know about what's going on in this church. I know about what's going on in the realm of the spirit as it pertains to us. We are in a season like I have never experienced before in my life. A season of purpose. A season of seeing greatness in people that I've never seen before. Of seeing people come out of prison cells emotionally and walking in the light of freedom so that they can in turn walk in the light of greatness of God and un unlock the greatness in others. I know I'm not the only one that's been sensing this for a while. I know there's others. Those that are around me, I know we're all in agreement, the same thing. But I'm offering this to you. If you are in this season of life right now, and I pray that you are, where you sense that God is drawing you, and God is saying, enough with the comfort zones, enough with hiding, enough with staying in the prison cell. It is time to come out. It is time to start walking in purpose like never before. If you know that God is drawing you to come, no matter how old you are, how young you are, if you know that God is drawing your heart to step up and step out into new purpose in him, I want you to get up on your feet right now and get up here. In fact, everybody stand up. Let's make it easy for everyone. Okay, everybody that's standing up here, lift one hand up to God. And I pray to God that you mean this because God's going to take it as if you do. Say this with me. Father, I present myself in the name of Jesus unto you. I'm committing myself into your hands. Do whatever you need to do. I will no longer hide. I will no longer justify excuses. I, I am ready this day to trust you with all of my life, with all that I am, with all that I have. I place it in your hands. Holy Spirit, whatever you need to do in my heart, I give you permission to start right now. Deal with whatever's in my heart that is blocking me from following you. In the name of Jesus, I thank you for the future, for what you have planned for me. You've already told me in your word that they are plans for good and not for evil. My past is gone, and with it are all the excuses. No longer will I tolerate intimidation, fear, 
tried. I put them all aside to follow you. Thank you, Father, that this moment, the adventure begins. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I wish I could write all your names down and then check up with you every few months and go, how's it going? How's it working out? Because you're about to step into. Some, it's, it's going to be very, very, very beginnings of preparation. For others, you've been holding this thing back for so long, it's going to go, and it's going to explode on the scene. Be ready. I want to say one last thing to you. It's a scripture from Acts. The Apostle Paul said to the people that were in his charge, I commend you unto God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among the saints. And I pray that I get to see every single one of you stepping into the purpose that God has assigned to your life. Amen? Amen. Amen. Give it up for these people. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory at newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today.